Good morning. Now, you were noisier than that when we first got here this morning. I, I was sitting up front. I love to just look out at the congregation. I can still see a little bit and, and uh, just listen to the congregation. I just want to tell you, y'all are noisy. And that's a good thing. For the service, you're fellowshipping. It's like a family reunion. See the hugs going, the handshakes, the smiles. Uh, that shows me a healthy congregation um, for us to be able to come in together and truly worship together. Uh, we don't just sit apart and, you know, we always kind of get used to sitting in our same uh, seats, uh, same uh, area, you know, but to, we get the fellowship going, coming in. So that was a good thing this morning, put a smile on my face uh, as we're here. Uh, it's a privilege to be here again uh, this week and uh, filling in for Pastor Bob, uh, who's away today. And uh, it's always great to be able to share the word with my brothers and sisters in Christ and my church family. If you have your copy of God's Word this morning, uh, turn with us to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to read a couple of uh, verses of Scripture there in Luke chapter 22 and verse 31 will begin. And so if you can find that in your uh, copy of God's Word. And also turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. And you can put your finger right there on verse 6. And we'll read these texts of Scriptures that um, you've probably already read before. Uh, but hopefully we can make it come alive this morning in a way that would really speak to us and prepare us for an encounter with a lion. Now that's kind of a scary thought, isn't it? To really be uh, in the presence of a lion. So we're going to read that together this morning. If you have your copy, let's read in Luke chapter 22 as we'll begin in verse number 31. It says, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Lord, he told him, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Oh, Peter, Peter, I tell you, Peter, he said, the rooster will not crow today until you deny three times that you know me. Now, reading in 1 Peter chapter 5, you'll flip over there, verse 6. It reads, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you in the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. Be sober-minded, be alert, because your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same uh, kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. The God of all grace who called you to the eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. To him be dominion forever. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer if we can this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we have uh, access to your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you can give us uh, great instruction that would prepare us for our day-to-day -day walk as we seek to follow you, your guidance, your directive. And Lord, that we can be more like you. But Lord, we realize that there's someone out there that doesn't like when we follow you. Father, there's someone out there that doesn't like when we look like you we talk like you, we act like you, and his name 
is Satan, the devil, Beelzebub. Whatever name we call him by, he's still, still that corrupt one that would seek to destroy all that you put together, all that you bring together. He'd seek to distract us this morning. Just simple thing as that, that we might not hear what we need this morning. He'll be here this morning to maybe disrupt my mind, my focus. Lord, he may seek this morning to just make us get up and leave for whatever reason. Lord, that's how the devil operates. He wants to steal and destroy. So, Father, I pray this name of Jesus this morning, that, Father, you can bind him, that we might receive that which we need to better prepare us to reach out to a lost and dying world and to be more like you as we're able to do it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I heard a story one time of a young boy that was outside playing with his friends in the front yard and kids, the neighbor kids were just running around having a good time and the dad walked by the door. As the door was open, the screen was there. He could hear the laughing and the shouting of the kids and all of a sudden he heard his son, that unique voice of his son, running up to the porch saying, there's a lion in the yard, there's a lion in the yard. Well, the dad thought, well, that's, maybe they're playing some kind of game and, and he'll let it go. But a few minutes later, his son once again run up on the porch, standing toward the screen, screaming out to all the kids that were out there playing, there's a lion in the yard. Folks, I'm telling you, there is a lion in the yard. Well, it concerned the dad when he began to hear the other kids screaming and hollering and running off their separate ways, heading toward their own homes and few minutes the dad bursts out onto the porch and he looks and he looks and all he sees is a dog. It was a shaggy dog. He had a hair sticking up everywhere. It was unkempt and not sure where the old dog came from, but the dog was big in stature and he looked kind of furry, but it was no lion. A few minutes that dad asked that son, said, come here, son. said, why are you screaming that that's a lion? He said, that is a lion, daddy. He said, son, that's not a lion. He said, I'll tell you what. You've scared all the kids here in the neighborhood, and you sit here, and you're determined to tell me that's a lion. He said, I think you need to go upstairs, get on your knees before God, and just ask him forgiveness. Just get it worked out with God somehow, and when you finish doing that, you can go back out and play. So his son came in, head hanging down, headed upstairs, the dad headed off to the kitchen. Before he could even reach the kitchen, he hears steps running down the, hears the feet running down the steps, and his son burst through the front door out into the yard. The dad said, what's going on? So he walked by. He said, son, come here. His son walked back to him. He said, yes, dad. He said, didn't I tell you to go upstairs and you pray and get before God and figure this thing out about this dog? He said, yes, sir, I did. He said, well, what did God say to you? He said, God said first time he saw that dog, he thought he was a lion too. <laughs> Folks, there might be a, a uh, not realizing who the lion truly is, but I want to tell you this morning, the lion exists. He might not be in the form of a dog, but I want to tell you, we misunderstand who the lion is, but he is real today. I want to just look at some of the things this morning that we have read going verse by verse 
of how we can figure out about this line and the dilemma in which we find ourselves in as believers today. Let's first look at uh, back at verse number 31 and we'll begin to understand the saint's dilemma. How we as believers, true believers, uh, how uh, we are encountered by this line. He says, indeed, Satan has asked for you. He's talking about Peter here. He said, Peter, I don't care what stature you are or how close you are to me or you walking beside me or you standing right in my shadow, I want to tell you the devil still wants you. You can be in church, the devil still wants you. You can seek to walk beside God and the devil still wants you, the scripture says. It literally means that Satan has begged for you. Let me have him. We can refer to um, Satan going to God about Job. And basically that's what the same word means in Hebrew. He wants you so bad. He begs for you. Satan wants to kill and destroy everything that you are. Do we not realize how real Satan is? Now I want us to look here at our dilemma. It's twofold. One because of our position. It's one because of who we are. It's not really who we are, whose we are. If you're a child of God, the devil wants you. Now I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you're a child of God, but if you realize that you are a true believer, then guess what? I don't know if it's news flash to you or new information to you or we just kind of shrug it off, but I want to tell you for real this morning, Satan wants you. And he'll do everything within his power to do exactly what his will is. And that's to destroy you as a believer. You know, he wants to destroy everything that we can accomplish. He wants to destroy everything that we can do within our families. You know, that's who he attacks the very core of who we are. Now, what are those things? What are the, what's the very core of a believer? Usually his church family, his personal family. Dad, mom, children, grandma, granddad, all those neighbors, friends. He'll seek to sever you from all those things because of whose you are. It's, as parents, you can understand this. Your children are a reflection on who you are. What is it the first time when we see something on TV or we hear about a child doing something? Hey, they can be two or they can be 22. What is the first thing we usually think about? The parent. Isn't it? When you as a parent, you have an 11 or 12-year-old, and God help you if you've got a teenager, and, and here they are doing some things maybe that you had taught them not to do, but you know it's a reflection on you. And sometimes, I, I, you can't say anything else, it's a little embarrassing. Has, I want to ask you this. Has your children ever embarrassed you? <laughs> we don't need to have testimony. You know, that's why I live and enjoy being a grandpa. I can embarrass them right back. Can't we? There you go. <laughs> that's it. But, you know, just imagine that we are children of God and how better to embarrass the great God of this universe than by doing something that God has told us not to do. And that's exactly what, because of our position. There's something else about our dilemma. We find ourselves as prey, P-R-E-Y. 
You know, you're being attacked. Why? Because you're praying. The world wants you. The devil wants you. Who else? The flesh wants to destroy you. This, this old nature wants to destroy you. So it's not only about whose you are, but it's about the, just the simple fact that you are prey. Had you ever thought about that when you get up in the morning and you head out that you're going to be prey? How many likes to hunt? Right. I like to hunt for something to eat. It's not the same thing, but you get up in the mornings, most of the time early you're deer hunting, you're duck hunting or something, and you get up and that thought of that prey, what can I do? Preparation has been made, right? If you're going, my grandson goes duck hunting. Boy, getting up at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, he's up, and especially like it was Christmas Eve, and he was going, remember how cold it was? And all I could see was a little bundle up under that and his, his, um, uh, all his coat and his clothes on, and, and he's, he's got his waders on, and he's got his gun and all those things. He made preparation. He was actually at practicing during the week. How do you practice the hunt? But he was doing it. He had had to assemble all those things in preparation. He was thinking about, how can I do it? You got to, he was telling me how to do it. You got to lead the bird, Papa. You got to do this. You got to do that. He made all the preparations. You think the devil wanting to embarrass God is not doing any less? Do we think about it when we go out in the mornings that we are going to be prey that day? That he's going to be after us that day? Now, I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm just letting you know the reality of a line that does exist, and he wants you. So what does he want with me? What would a lion want with me? What would the devil want with me? What would Satan actually want with me? Well, you can look down in verse 31 again. He's, God's telling Peter here, Jesus telling Peter, that he may sift you as wheat. Now, that is not in a singular form, but plural, Jesus is talking about all that were listening, all that were believers. He wants to sift you. I'm not sure if we understand what the word sifting is, but it's uh, uh, not only when he's saying, let me back up just a little bit, when he's saying he wants to sift us, notice he has something else here. Not only does he point out you, talking about you, which is all-encompassing you, the ones that were listening, us today, but he pointed out Peter specifically. Now, Peter had a special position within the disciples. He had a special position that others might not have. He had a special position of leadership. So it can actually read like this in my mind. He said, Satan wants you, and especially you that lead. And you've probably heard that before. You know, we talk about uh, leadership over the years, and man, it's a, it's a great thing to be a, a deacon. I mean, you're blessed. I served as a deacon many, many years ago, and it was a privilege to serve, and you thought about it. And I remember one older deacon had told me, he said, be ready. For what? Hey, it's a leadership position. Be ready. You know what Satan wants to do? Not only take you down, but he wants to take the leadership down. He wants this pastor, that pastor. He wants that Sunday school teacher, that Sunday school teacher. I don't care where you're at, we're leading somebody somewhere, and Satan doesn't like that. He's not happy 
about that. So he desires to do some things. And it says here, to sift you. Now, what is sifting? Now, I know some of you older folks know what sifting is. Remember, take the flour and sift it. If you don't have it old enough, you don't want to admit to it, just you know what I'm talking about. You put it in a little silver thing, you sift it out, shake it up, beat it up. So sifting, one, is to shake you. He wants to sift you as wheat. He wants to shake you. He wants to turn your world upside down and shake you and see what falls out. He wants to bring financial struggles into your life. He wants to bring loss of a family member in your life. See, these are all things of life, but he wants to bring them in in a way where maybe you can turn and look the other direction and not give God the glory. I know it's difficult at times when things we face. God, thank you so much that I'm broke. God, thank you that you took a favorite family member home. That's not what he's saying, but understand that God knows all other things, and we might not understand. This is my uh, uh, phrase of something that I learned when we were doing a class. I might not understand, or how many times we ever cried out to God, God, I don't understand. How many have ever said that? We may have done it in our prayer closet. I want to add something to that phrase that I'm learning have learned and probably will continue to learn. God, I don't understand yet. Isn't that wonderful to know a God that you might not understand today and there's a lot of things I don't understand, but one day, it may be in this life, but if not, it'll be in that one. I'll understand and get full understanding. So understand the devil himself wants to shake your world up. He also wants to separate you. And we've heard that. If you ever noticed the Wild Kingdom or some of those shows with Animal Kingdom and you see the lion and he's looking to separate one from the rest. I mean, he by himself, even though he's a lion, he might not be able to take down one of those animals, but the first thing he'll do is look for one that's off by himself. I want to tell you, Satan absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt, tries to do this and I hate to say, in my years of ministry, he's been so successful. What's he mean separate? He wants to separate you from other believers. He wants to separate you from someone that might bring you closer to God. He wants to separate you from a worship rally on Sunday. Here's the thing. I got taught by one of my youth years ago. I want to just let you know, you don't have to come to church. I know you thought you did. You know, you had to get up tally so many points or you had to attend so many times and all this thing. But you don't have to come to church. If you start understanding that, that's a revelation. You know why? You get to. It's a privilege, it's an honor to be able to come to church. I know sometimes we don't feel like it. Well, there's a lot of days I don't feel like stuff, but I have to do them anyway. Or I'm glad that I did them. Sometimes you get up and you come to church because, you know, I don't really feel like I need to be there today. I just, I'm, I'm struggling. I've had all this this week. Hey, that's the very time we need to come. Understand that Satan himself is trying to cut you off from the fold and the farther he gets you away, the more likely it is that he will pounce. That's, that's true. I don't know any other way to say it. 
Satan wants to break you down and separate you from God. In Romans chapter 8, if you want to write this verse down, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, or things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the very love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. What a confidence we can have if we just get that. What a confidence we can even have this morning if you've come into this place and you're struggling this morning, not really sure why, but you're coming in and you hear these verses of Scripture, not because I read them, but because God said them, it's going to make a difference in how you approach the rest of the week. That's God's Word. How empowering is it? But Satan wants to also separate you from other believers. He don't want you around other believers. Now, let me give us a warning. I know some of us have a resting face. You know what a resting face is? Most of the time it's, now I know I look rough. I mean, I, I, you don't have to tell me anything I don't know. I get to look in the mirror every day. But you have that resting face. All the muscles in your face are resting. But I tell you what, we're supposed to encourage one another. Didn't the Bible say we're supposed to be encouragers? I mean, that's what we are. We're supposed to be encouragers, not just to ourselves. We encourage ourselves. We have to talk ourselves through a lot of things. But to encourage one another. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, he said, basically, encourage one another and so much more as you see, basically, the last days approaching. So we need to encourage more and more. We need more encouragement than we've ever needed. Because it's a bleak world out there, isn't it? We need each other. We were not made self-sufficient. Do you understand that? I know we all think we're an island unto ourselves. We are not. We are part of a body. The Bible's clear on that. We're part of the body of Christ. We are responsible for one another. And guess what? Encouragement is one thing we need. Lifting one another up. Hey, also warning one another. You know, love will do that. Love will get, get you in such a way you want to encourage somebody else. If we're to stand and encounter with the devil, here's what we've got to do. One, we've got to be submissive. Hope you get these things. We know that the devil's out there. We know the line's out there. But I want you to get these this morning. If you have to write them down so you can remember them. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Casting all your cares upon him who cares for you. Now, what he's basically saying is take your lack of ability to face the adversary to Jesus because he's the only one that can overcome the adversary. James 4, 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will leave you. He's got no other choice. At the name of Jesus, he can't stand it. He's got to go. He's reminded when we do these things, when we call on the name of Jesus, 
He was reminded of his ultimate defeat. Use the name of Jesus. Walk with Jesus. Also, we must be sober. It means to not be intoxicated or overindulged in something. Here's what it literally means. Be clear-headed. Focus. Focus on the things that are real. We get so involved in the world. I love, uh, I'm not going to call her name. Let me just leave this. This lady, when I was growing up, absolutely loved soap operas. Now, some of us don't know what a soap opera is. We've got reality TV. It became, hey, the news became more soap opera than the soap operas. So they didn't need them anymore. But she used to watch those soap operas. How many remember, I know you didn't watch them, but you know, you knew they were on. As the world turns and the guiding light in General Hospital, and I had to look these up. One day something, I don't remember whatever, another life or she, who shot John or whatever. I don't remember all those soap operas. But this lady would get so involved. She was consumed by them. We'd go over and talk and How's, how are you doing? And she'd start telling you about herself. And then she would start telling you about other people. You wouldn't believe it. Sally's got a tumor. You, you just wouldn't believe it. Tear may run down her face. We need to pray for Sally. And John don't know anything about it. And so-and-so's off over here having an affair. And this one's doing this. And she began to tell you like, man, you live in a terrible community. Move out. If these are all your friends. And then you would come across something and you would understand these are not real people. <laughs> They're on TV. It's fake. It's not real. Oh, yes, they are. They're real to her. She was so consumed with them. Sometimes we can do that in our soap opera of a life, our drama of a life. We got a sign at the office that says, Check your drama at the door. Man, if I could do that in my own life sometimes. We get so consumed with all the things that's going on in life. I'm not saying it's, it's easy to, to get off those things. I'm not saying we don't have to deal with those things. I'm not saying we don't. The reality is, yes, we have to interact with those things. Just don't get consumed, he says. Because when you do, you'll lose focus. And that line is sneaking up on you all the time. He's looking at a perfect time. That's what it says here. It says, be vigilant. Be ever watchful, it means, even at the, I guess, at the point of anticipating Satan's attack. Are you anticipating his attack? Are you realizing that he could be just right around the next corner? I know sometimes it can make us fearful, but I just want us to see the reality of it today that, hey, there's people out there that don't like us. Because we are believers. I tell you what, if you're making strides for the kingdom of God and you're trying to live a good life, you're trying to live a life that's pleasing to Christ, imperfect as we are, but understand, Satan has asked for us and he desires to sift us. And there's something else we must do, and that's resist him. Resist means to stand steadfast. Hey, if stubborn will help us, Lord, let us be stubborn. Said, I'm not giving in to Satan. I'm going to be stubborn. I'm not going to give one inch. I'm going to strive and I'm going to struggle against him 
And that means to not let my guard down. You can have your senses up. You can have your guard up and still enjoy and have a good time. But understand he's right there. I don't care how good it tastes, how good it feels, or how good it looks. Resist the devil's temptation. Don't lie to yourself. I guess that's one of the biggest things. Romans 6, 13 says, And do not present your members as instruments or weapons of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments or weapons of righteousness to God. I don't think that just because you survive one encounter with God, with the, uh, with the lion, that you can, hey, I've got him. I've got him whipped. Guess what? Been knocking that lion down for years, knocking him. He just won't take no for an answer. He keeps coming and coming and coming. He doesn't give up. He keeps coming and coming and coming until one day the promise has been made that he will be defeated. Do you know that? He's a defeated foe. He's already lost. But right now, he's still out there seeking again. He's striving again. He's looking for who he can devour. Active tense. So, I like um, the scripture I was looking to kind of build on that. Because I know just about time I think I've got Satan whipped. You know, I've been in something and faced him and Feeling pretty good about myself. You know, we've, we've handled the devil. Me and Jesus, we've handled the devil. He's given me the power and the strength, and we've handled the devil. The devil has given up. He's been resisted. He's leaving me alone. That feels really good. But guess what Satan said to even Jesus? When he was tempting Jesus, remember? He said, I'll just come back at a more opportune time. Even Jesus, he's not going to leave him alone. He said, I'll come back at a more opportune time. Maybe when your defenses are not up, or maybe when you least expect it, guess what? There he is. The time to least, I've thought about this so many times, and, and I've counseled with this with, with people that have lost family members. Usually, when there's a funeral, and it's a, the, the centerpiece most of the time of the family, and all the kids come back in that may have lived here and here and here, they all come in, aunts and uncles. It can be a great time rebuilding friendships, relationships, and those types of things. Or it can be the worst thing you've ever seen. Cutthroat. And we all, we've, we've encountered probably both in our years, in our lives, with folks that we have uh, sent on to glory or whatever. You know why? Satan knows that's a prime time because all our defenses are down because our hearts are broken. We, you know, looking, okay, we have those memories. We're at our softest, our most vulnerable. The tears flow the easiest at that time. And guess who knows that? The devil himself knows that, and he'll attack, attack, attack. We need to be aware of that. Let's look at one other thing, or a couple of things here. Let's look at the, save, the saves deliverance. How, does it, how are we delivered from this? I mean, that's what we ultimately want. How am I delivered? How am I going to get out of this? The first comes by intercession. Luke twenty-two thirty-two 32 tells us, Jesus says, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. 
Understand, Jesus is praying for us. Think about it. It's wonderful to have our pastor, and I know he does this. He prays for us. You may have friend that prays for you. You may have family that prays for you. Understand that Jesus himself is praying for you because he knows who the devil is face to face. He's had to encounter him himself. And I want to tell you, because of prayer, many a plan of Satan has been derailed as a result of prayer. Many a soul has been lost to Satan because of prayer. Many a missed focused life has been redirected because of prayer. Intercession. How, you always say, we always say sometimes, well, I'll pray for you. And we always say it sometimes like, it's the least I can do. I want to tell you, prayer is the greatest thing you can do. It's at the top of the list, not at the bottom of the list. We need prayer to keep us in the right relationship with God and close to God. It encourages me to know that you pray for me. It encourages me to know and to know that God of this universe and the Savior of this world prays for me. So how else can we be delivered? Glad you asked. It can come by instruction. Listening. Listening. Now, just kind of listening to these verses. Jesus is teaching Peter something, and he wants him to learn this. Now, Peter will learn this the hard way. How many knows what that is? You ever learned the hard way? I'll I just be honest with you. The easy way is the way I like it. But yes, like every one of us in here, sometimes we've had to learn the hard way and not really listen to instruction, and we've, hey, it's not been good. And that's exactly what Peter did here, and here's what he did. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Woo, tell you, I've got Peter's on my side. I pick him. You know one thing with instruction? Here's the thing with the devil. Don't overestimate yourself. Now I know some of you is great prayer warriors and you could stand up again, as, as the old saying, you could swing across hell on a rotten grapevine. I mean, you, you've got it together and you say, hey, bring him on, bring him on. Let Satan come on, I've got this. Be careful of overestimating yourself and that's exactly what Peter was doing. And guess what? Peter wasn't way off from Jesus he was right beside Jesus, and he still overestimated himself. Secondly, the second point of instruction, I'll just give you a couple. Don't underestimate the enemy. The devil has years and years and years and years of experience. Do you know same, something that's kind of funny? As we were looking one time, we were having a discussion of all the tricks of Satan. He uses the same ones over and over and over and over. Look at it. Look at that. Look at through Scripture. Just see the ones here that have fallen victim to Satan's uh, attacks. And it's been the same tricks over and over and over. Looks like we learn after a while, don't it? But for whatever reason, we underestimate him and what he can do. And we think we can handle it ourselves. So don't ever overestimate yourself or underestimate the enemy. Deliverance comes also by institution. Now, God has instituted the church or the body of believers as a means to provide help and deliverance from Satan's attacks. He has put us together just for this. 
so we wouldn't have to stand alone. Now I know we've been, last couple of years has been crazy. We've never seen, I guess since the Spanish flu, ever seen anything like this. Even back then with the Spanish flu, they didn't separate because, you know, we were getting ready for World War II and they were afraid to say anything. And you know how now we've uh, been told to keep our distance and wear masks and all those things. And they were afraid that would affect getting soldiers together and all those things. And so they just didn't have that separation thing. Well, you know, the first thing we did, which was smart, we separated, didn't we? We stayed at home more. We didn't fellowship or congregate. We did those things that we thought would help us. But I'm not sure we're going to totally recover from that. Now we think we can totally separate. Hey, live stream, stream has been a great blessing to me. For those of you that's watching this morning, it's a blessing, I know, to be able to be here uh, and, and be able to see the service and stuff because they're sick or whatever's going on. And, you know, we have those means, but don't let it be an excuse for not fellowshipping together. And I know you've probably heard this. Well, I can sit home and watch TV. I can get some good preaching, probably better preaching than I can have if I come here. Yeah, but I'm going to ask you one thing. When was the last time your TV got up and hugged you? When was the last time your TV said, glad to see you? I don't care how much you pay for that TV. I have yet to see one. I can't say it won't ever happen. But I, it's, uh, you know, it's, um, that TV is just not getting up and fellowshipping with you. Its conversation will go on even if you're trying to start talking back. Now, I know we've talked to our TV before. If you've ever watched a sports event, you've talked to your TV. But guess what? There may be some talking heads on there, but they're not talking directly to you. You may think they are sometimes, but they're not. Folks, we need each other. How, how important it is for us to be together. We need each other. I need you. You need me. Such as it is, we need each other. Let's look at something else really quickly. Let's look at the Savior's declaration. There is a time for the exalting of the saints. It says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. In everything, especially in the attacks, we need to give worship to God. Some of you may just be right now under the very attack of Satan himself. He's trying to destroy you. He's trying to destroy your wife, your husband, your children. He's trying to use your children against you, your spouse against you, your job against you. He's trying everything, trying to use your church family against you. You feel like everything seems to be coming against you. Well, here's the promise. Worship anyway, and God will give you the victory. Worship anyway. Miss Christy, I know you get up here and you smile and you lead singing every Sunday. I've had to do it and stand up here. And there's been a lot of Sundays, Christy, I didn't really want to smile. I really didn't. I mean, I was in no mood because of things that was going on in my life. I just felt like I just don't really feel like smiling today. I don't feel like being, you know, excited today. If you knew what was going on in my life, you wouldn't be excited. You'd be crying today. But guess what? She gets up and we get up and we do it anyway. We put on a smile. How do we do that? You can either do it one of two ways. 
You can either fake a smile or you begin to count the blessings of God and listen to the words of the songs that you're singing or the words that you've heard in Sunday school or church and you've been uplifted or somebody else has come in. I came in this morning and Brother Mike Christensen was at the back and the first thing I did was smile. Now he looks kind of funny, but anyway, besides all that, bless you, brother. But I want to tell you, it puts a smile on my face, whether I feel like it or not, when I start seeing brothers and sisters in Christ. It changes my day. And he says, you can go ahead and exalt me. That's a way that you can overcome him. There's also a time for glorifying of the Savior. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 says, But may the God of all grace, be, uh, who called us to his eternal glory, by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect. Another word for that is mature, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever and ever. And the church rose up and said amen and amen and amen. God's going to get the victory, folks. If you don't know that, yes, we're going to deal with a lion somewhere. We're going to have an encounter with a lion, whether it's this afternoon or tomorrow, the week after, you're going to encounter him. The world does not want you to succeed. Your flesh fights against you, and the devil's leading the charge. We sound like, and it sounds like, we are defeated foes. But that's not the truth. We just read it. Just humble yourselves and realize it's not you, it's him. We can be victorious, not in ourselves, but in him. If we start trying to fight him, I guess, guess what? If you fight the lion on your own, you're going to lose. David, lion's den. If God had not closed their mouths, David would have been supper. As great as David was, a man after God's own heart, if all the things that he was and his persistence, guess what? He would have still been suffering. So Daniel, God closed his mouth and closed the mouths of the, of the lions and he was not. It, that was all Jesus. That was all God himself. I'll tell you another story this morning. I, as many years ago, a call came in, and I was told this as truth, so I don't know for sure, but I'm, I'm just telling you what I was told. A call came in to Brunswick County Sheriff's Department um, that uh, someone had seen a line in the yard at a church. Well, the deputy was there, and he thought, Someone is playing a prank on me. You know, when you think that middle of the night, you get a call, there's a line in the yard at so-and-so church, need you to go down there and check it out. So he was thinking, you know, well, I've been called, it came in through the right channel, so I've, I've got to do this now. I don't know if you can do all those things now. We used to play pranks like that, and, you know, when it was quiet, nothing going on, small town I was at, and working the police department, so they just, just get something going, so... I'm sure that's probably what he thought. I'm going down here, look like a nut, go here to this churchyard, and either somebody else is going to be here, they're going to try to scare me, or they're going to play a trick on me, but there's no line in the yard. 
There's no lion in this churchyard. But anyway, he decided to take his car and go down. He goes down and gets on the radio and he says, folks, there ain't no lion down here. I can't see. I've rode all around shining my lights and I don't see nothing in the parking lot here. Puts his radio down and gets out of his car and he begins to walk around behind the church where he couldn't drive and lo and behold, guess what? There's a lion in the yard. There's a lion. Well, what do you do when you see a lion? Run. I've always said if you ever see me run, you don't have to look back. If I'm running, you just run. You know it's something bad. So he came back to the car and he got on the radio and he said, Folks, really, there is a line in this yard. What do we do? Well, number one, you stay in the car. I mean, you, you resist. That's it, isn't it? Number two is, according to how big he is, you begin to pray and you begin to wonder, wonder if he can get through these windows. Wonder what he can do. Well, this was not a large line. And the whole story turned out to be someone in the area. I don't know. Their line had got out. You figure that one out. But their small line had gotten out, and he was there. Now, I don't know that, you know, you're going to encounter something like that so obvious. It seems, uh, unless they're in a zoo somewhere, we, we all acknowledge that there is such a thing as a line, right? I mean, how many have seen the Lion King? Ooh, see, there we got 100% seen that. You know, there, we realize that there is a line, but sometimes we look at them and think, oh, aren't they cute and cuddly and their little fur around their neck and all this stuff. The line's beautiful, isn't it? Hey, even for us guys, rawr, we hear a line. Well, they're tough. They're mean. They're bad to the bone. When we see that line, we don't think nothing bad about that line. When are we going to come to the realization that Jesus didn't use that illustration just to paint a pretty picture? He wanted to let us know, hey, who do we usually call the king of the jungle? He's not the biggest. He's not the lowest. He's not really the sneakiest. But he's called the king of the jungle and not for nothing. And that's the very illustration that Jesus used for us to be aware that the lion is coming after you. But here's what I thought. Here's what I thought. The devil himself may be king of the jungle, but my God created the jungle. Nothing can overtake him. So when I'm in him, it's, it's like this. Phyllis is a little shorter than I am, not that much. I always, you know, if something's happening, where does she get? Behind me, some of you guys know the very same thing. Don't, I hope you don't say, hey, I shove her in front. Don't say that. Hopefully she's behind you. She's in your shadow, in your footsteps, because she's looking for you for protection, and she feels like if, She's following right behind this big old oaf of nothing. And if something happens, it's him. That's what Jesus has said. Just following my shadow. Just stand behind me. And guess what? 
If they overtake me, then you're in trouble. But we've already read the end of the story, and that's not going to happen. Be aware when you face that encounter with a lion that you can overcome. Amen? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Good. Father, once again, Lord, we come to you just thanking you for this time together. Ask your blessings on what our ears have heard and our eyes have seen. Father, I thank you as I look out this morning and know that I'm not in this battle alone. I've got brothers and sisters in Christ that would fight along beside me, that would encourage me, that would give me words of encouragement, that would pray for me. Father, it's so encouraging. Father, I want to do the same for them. That We stand together against this lion until it's all over. It's all said and done. And this Satan, this devil, this Beelzebub, all the words that we can put and attach to him, his name is put down once and for all. He is secluded from all mankind forever and ever and ever. That day's not happened yet, but Lord, I know it's coming. And until then, Father, help us to be ready to find an encounter with that lion. We ask this in Jesus' name.